back, everyone, to the Future of Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Ellis Hammond. Today's guest is Renji Bajoy. He is the founder of Immersed, which is a tech company that's partnered with some of the biggest companies like Facebook to build virtual real estate offices. Man, you are going to love this show. He's raised more than $12 million to date. He is 20, uh, 21's Forbes 30 under 30, and for good reason after you listen to this show. He shared with me today that his company is the most used virtual reality app for office space in the metaverse. We talk about why his mission or what he's, you know, they're moving from offices to now becoming the largest, our goal has become the largest economy in the metaverse. And if that just even piques your interest, how do you have an economy in the metaverse? You're going to learn about that today. We're also going to be talking about he's building the next Manhattan in the metaverse and how you personally can own a piece of Manhattan in the metaverse and begin to build wealth through virtual real estate. You're absolutely going to love this episode. I can't wait to get into it. But first, word from our sponsor. Hey, if you're a credit investor, listen up. I have an exciting opportunity to share with you. My company, Symphony Capital Group, just locked up our largest multifamily deal to date, a 200-unit multifamily apartment complex, 95% occupied, cash flows day one in Dallas, Texas. We're so excited to share this opportunity with our investor base. And if you're serious about building wealth through multifamily real estate, if you want to diversify you know, away from the volatile stock market and you want to intentionally begin to multiply your wealth through value-add real estate, then go to symphonycapitalgroup.com forward slash invest and sign up as a credit investor to learn more about our next real estate deal. This is only for a limited time. This will only be available for the next 60 days, depending on when you're listening to this. So go to symphonycapitalgroup.com forward slash invest to learn more. Uh, Renji, welcome to the, uh, the Future Real Estate Show, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, hey, real quick. So you're recording this on YouTube. I can see your video. You have Ready Player Two in the in the in, oh, as yeah. one of your books. By the way, if people don't know you, uh, you are, you have the number one virtual reality app uh, for Oculus users. I, I mean, explain that, like yeah. who you are a little bit, so folks know who we're talking to. I mean, this is a big deal, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, it's funny that you, you noticed that book. Um, yeah. So. Uh, I'm Renji, the founder of Immersed. We're the most consistently used VR app uh, in the Oculus store. There are a lot of games that get a lot of like high volume <clears throat> user usage, but for us, uh, we're not clocking millions of users using our app like five minutes a day. We're getting a smaller amount of users, but who are working in VR full time, 40 to 50 hours a week, week to week. Time Magazine wrote an article on it. The New Yorker wrote an article on it. Um, and so, you know, even as we have, we meet with Facebook or Meta, um, probably five or six times a month. And they, I mean, they even told us that there's just, there's not even a, a second, a close second place um, in regards to user usage. And so uh, obviously they're trying to figure out how do they kind of recreate their version of it or whatever, but uh, we're going to be sort of a hardware agnostic um, solution for, for virtual teams or remote teams who want to be able to get into the same VR office together. And so um, what we've realized though is because we're clocking such high amounts of uh, user usage or you know, hours per week, we realized we sort of laid the groundwork to become the world's first metaverse economy. And so um, I was sharing with Ellis earlier here that like uh, it, it immersed 
users not only want to work in VR, but they want to be able to create businesses in the metaverse or uh, provide jobs in the metaverse or transact goods and services in the metaverse. As you know, the limit approaches infinity or as time progresses, uh, people are going to ultimately be able to virtualize their businesses. They're going to be able to essentially do, partake in all the sort of business activities they do in the real world, but do that in the metaverse in a much more convenient way, right? So we're not trying to replace the real world. We're just creating much more convenient versions of what exists in the real world, such as if you have a flight to Beijing or something for a business deal, well, you could just put on a headset real quick and you'll be there. And so there's multiple use cases of that today. Yeah. So, okay. You say we'll be there, but like the best meta, like, uh, let me play devil's advocate a little bit because I want to go to that book you have on your shelf right there. And I want to know how it influenced you. Like when you say we'll be there, you know, right now I've seen like you know, EXP. I mean, I think a lot of our familiar, uh, some of our audience might be familiar with that model where you got these little digital icons and you're walking around as that. That's not really being there. So describe to me what you mean by being there. Yeah. So uh, a couple of things. Uh, people don't realize this, but photorealistic avatars, if you go to YouTube and type in Oculus face tracking, you'll see that people don't realize this. There's like a prototype video from two years ago where it actually has cameras on the headset um, that are pointed inward and actually tracks your facial muscles and 3D reconstructs your face. So uh, it's actually pretty, not pretty, it's literally indistinguishable from real life. Um, when you're a cartoon avatar in the metaverse and there's someone who's like too close to you, you feel kind of awkward, even though they're a cartoon, let alone when they release photorealistic avatars, it's going to feel literally the same. Obviously, you can't share a meal with them, um, but you literally feel like you're with them side by side. So, so that hasn't been released yet, though, is what you're saying. Correct. Yeah. So uh, the, the hardware is going to be released uh, in, in the next year, but uh, the actual software for photorealistic avatars that's not a that's not a a, uh, a prototype. That's something that is productized, and that is something that will be available in the next coming year. That's crazy. Yeah. So, so you read that book, Ready Player Two, guys. I, I was like, two, it's like my favorite series, man. Ready Player One, Ready Player Two. I, I love this series. So you've listened to it clearly. You read the book. Like, do you? How much has that inspired you? How much do you think that narrative is influencing? Is me? somewhat true like you know what i mean like it's coming to life I, i'm just really just because i love the book so much i'd love to chat with you on it i feel like it's a little more gamified than i uh than i think the real world will be and i think it kind of plays a little bit more of a replacement for the real world than i think it, there will be so um i think that it'll be the metaverse will actually be more complementary to the real world than we think it'll be um meaning a lot of people that when they think about the metaverse they think of second life or they think of uh sims or something right where you just have an immersive version of sims and you're living your escapist dystopian life right but the way that technology think about the internet think about airbnb uber all these other sort of applications that kind of live or exist in a digital world uh, or even instagram or whatsapp or facebook all of those elements exist in such a way where it has direct implications on the real world so when i use facebook and i unfriend someone in the real world, there's drama now, right? <laughs> what do you think about what do you think about Airbnb? And I book an Airbnb. In the real world, I'm gonna go sleep somewhere. If I if I uh, hail an Uber, in the real world, I'm gonna be hopping into a car. Um, and so when you think about the metaverse, it does bring more elements of the real world into uh, a virtual world where uh, you know you're able to see another person who's not physically there. But when you do see them in the real world, you have there are implications on your interactions in the metaverse that will have implications in the real world. And so likewise, when I think about even just people being able to work in the metaverse, which they do in our application today, the way it works is you have your headset, uh, the Oculus Quest 2, you'll pair it to your MacBook or Linux computer or PC or whatever. Um, it'll spawn or create five screens, uh, which are virtual. And you could grab your laptop and your headset and go to your couch or your porch, or you could be on an airplane. Instead of staring at the backs of everyone's heads on the airplane, you could have your headset on and be 
uh, in a completely different environment with five screens you can be hyper-focused and that has direct implications on your productivity, right? So you're not just doing some sort of like, uh, like you're not working for no reason in the metaverse. You're not just doing some weird simulation. You're quite literally working in order to do your actual day job that has implications on the real world. So I have a much more um, complementary viewpoint of the metaverse uh, to the real world than Ready Player One kind of lends itself to kind of um, uh, help you envision the the, the the Ready Player One world, or at least when you watch the movie, for example, they show people living in the stacks. They show people playing games all day. Um, people are making actual, like, like um, they're, they're earning actual coin, which likely will be a cryptocurrency that they could purchase different objects like the, the X1 suit or whatever in the movie where he has real world pickup and things like that. And so all I have to say, like, the world moving forward needs to function in the real world. And like, there needs to be things that continue working in the real world as it does uh, today. When it comes to the metaverse, if the only way, if if the most, if the easiest way to make money is to play games, which kind of in the movie seemed more like gambling more than anything, as far as just like you could lose all of your money in two seconds, that doesn't seem like a viable economy. Um, and so there are going to be people who have a source of income that's not going to be just by playing games, but instead they're going to have a source of income that's going to be related to something that's very practical and needed in the real world or needed in the metaverse. And so I feel like those worlds are going to be very kind of intertwined a lot more than we think it is. Mm-hmm. It is or that the, the movie kind of shows. All that to say, yeah, I think when people think about the metaverse, they're afraid of it because they almost don't want to live in that world. Uh, yeah. They think about like, you know, VR surfing and it's like, dude, go surf in the real world. Like the, the, the metaverse there, yeah. there it's, 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 I think it's healthier to have a perspective of a metaverse where um, the inconvenient things of the real world become more convenient in the metaverse. And then the leisurely, luxurious, chill things in the real world you just enjoy those things in the real world, right? So, uh, and eventually someday we're going to have Neuralink that plugs a computer straight to your brain. And, you know, you obviously it'll take over your other senses, like your feel and, you know, uh, your, your, your smell and your taste and things like that. But yeah. You, you say that in seriousness or is that, are you kind of half joking, half serious? Well, so, I mean, Elon Musk is working on it or he's, he's, he's funding it. Um, that is something that they, I don't think it'll happen in the next hundred years. I think, well, I th- it'll probably be a hundred years. Like, I don't think that that's something that is going to happen in the next 20 years. Like Elon Musk is making it sound like. Um, but Neuralink is, it's, that's the next evolution after AR VR is, is Neuralink. Yeah, I guess that's true. I mean, he is, he is working. I mean, Neuralink is a real company. Yeah. It's kind of working on helping with, well, there is a demo you could look up online where there's like literally a, a monkey that is control, like playing this game on a TV screen. And instead of using a controller, it's just using its brain. It's just like looking at it and it's controlling the, the controller or whatever, uh, on the screen with its eyes. And so, uh, or, or with its brain. And so like at the end of the day, they were able to figure out a way to get, uh, information read out of a monkey's brain. Um, and also they could write to the monkey's brain too. So it's kind of a two-way connection to like a stupid, simple game. But, uh, at the end of the day though, like life is much more complex than that, than just like a little pong game going back and forth. Life has color, taste, touch, sight, like all, like so many different things, uh, that we'd have to introduce. So before we get to the matrix, you and I probably won't be on the face of the planet anymore. Yeah. It's kind of crazy though, man. Like from, uh, you know, you and I both are men of faith. Like, I mean, to think about just how young civilization really is, though, you know, to think like, man, there is however long we get, like how much is going to be developed and grown even even beyond what you and I are going to see. Yeah. It really is. It's kind of fascinating, isn't it? Yeah. you know, to think yeah, about I'm all this, sure that's going to happen. Yeah. And I, when I think about us building this metaverse, like I see it as me laying a groundwork for whatever future generations. So obviously, I want to put as many guardrails in place to make sure because it could go a million different ways. And there, the, the vast majority of content out there is more dystopian. 
is because human nature, to be real, is depraved. Uh, there isn't goodness in humans in and of themselves. Um, and when everyone thinks about kind of their history, they're not like, they're, they don't know, very few people believe they lived life perfectly. The question is, do we believe that human systems thus far have created a perfect system that doesn't exist on any country in the, like on this planet? So when we think about setting up a metaverse moving forward, it's like, obviously we can't put a perfect system in place. And no matter what, it's gonna take a lot of people's efforts and, and, and minds to be put together in order to try to create the best of all systems that we can come up with, but it's still gonna be an imperfect system. And I guess I want to minimize the amount of error or the amount of um, risk that can be introduced when you're creating a whole new virtual world, so. Yeah, so I wanna, uh, let's kind of take this in phases, right? So we're talking about, I, I wanna get to this idea of buying real estate in the metaverse and how, like how you see this economy growing, but why don't we start with <clears throat> what's already happening? You say you guys are the number one virtual reality app for office space, VR office. Like, let's start there so people have a context of when you say people are going to the metaverse for spending 40 hours a week, office work, like yeah. paint that picture. Like what do activities like that look like? And, yeah, and so who is that? Yeah, so for example, so the most the, the most common type of user we have is software engineers. Like 29% um, of our users are coders. And so what they'll do is they'll, um, you know, say they, they code on a MacBook, they'll pair their Mac, MacBook to their headset. And instead of plugging into their, you know, multiple external monitors on their desk, uh, they'll instead have the flexibility to take their headset and their laptop wherever they want to go on their couch or wherever they go um, and have five virtual screens. Um, and so they're just there doing their day job and their coding. But as soon as they need to collaborate with their coworker who is working remotely, their coworker can beam into their space. They can share one or five screens as many as they want. They can whiteboard together and VR together. And so we're kind of recreating the in-person collaborative office experience for teams that are remote and distributed or even teams that are hybrid, right? So say, for example, if you have um, three people who are in the office, but four people working from home, how do you create an experience where all seven of them are in the same conference room and feel like they're actually collaborating together? Because at the end of the day, um, having calls on Zoom or um, messaging via chat, it's just not the same as having all your minds together in a conference room, whiteboarding, coding together, et cetera. So that, uh, we have designers who do the same. We have um, legal teams, finance teams, day traders, teachers, students. Yeah, I can see that for sure. Real estate companies, you know, I mean, this creates an opportunity, which by the way, I appreciate you sharing that kind of detail because yeah, it's like, it's, there, there are some things that you just kind of need to be together. You know, it's like, we're kind of looking for that right now for our real estate company. And, and you know, I think about that. I'm like, yeah, but if everyone had the headset, they're looking at the whiteboard, you felt like you're in a room together, that kind of accomplishes the same mission, right? Of what that is now, you can't go and get a coffee together and whatnot, not yet anyways, uh, but that's where we're at. So that's cool. So then you see, so let's kind of go to the next phase then. So I understand the utility of VR office right now and how that's, how that's applicable. You talk about kind of the vision is to see what you guys are building to be, you know, the, the, Met, the largest metaverse economy in the world. What, what do you define economy for me and what you mean by that? Quite literally, anyone being able to ex, uh, exchange goods and services, but that but doing that at scale, right? So having virtual cities where certain virtual businesses exist and people being able to purchase goods, but also sell goods, right? So, um, but then that existing in multiple cities and that existing in multiple virtual countries or worlds and that sort of um, expanding from there. So well, we don't know that we'll be the world's largest one. We just know that we're the first one because we're the only application that has that much user usage in any metaverse period. Like, like there's a lot of games out there that are trying to do things like sell virtual land and they'll have like a cryptocurrency and that's technically kind of its own sort of small metaverse economy, but um, they're mainly only like exchanging 
like Pokemon or exchanging uh, virtual plots of land. And there's not like any actual practical business use cases. Whereas for ours, um, if, you know, say Lecrae, for example, owns a plot of virtual land in Immersed and works with a 3D artist to create an awesome concert venue. And then Justin Bieber wants to do a metaverse concert. Well, Justin Bieber can then pay Lecrae to rent out his virtual concert uh, uh, hall and ultimately, ultimately end up um, having an awesome uh, show with visual effects that are not bound by the laws of physics. So, so there, there's a bunch of different, and that's like one of many use cases, right? That's what um, virtual concerts look like, but there's also like virtual movie production, right? There's education, there's um, like the VR office example I gave you, there's um, calm type applications that people might want to just go to like a very leisurely environment in Hawaii, right? Virtual Hawaii, whatever. Um, so there's so many different types of experiences that people could um, create in this sort of metaverse and ultimately charge other users for that. The reason why users would want to pay for it is because like, so if you're spending 40 to 50 hours a week in uh, VR doing your work, well, you might want to take a uh, 15 minute break to just go to virtual Hawaii and just relax a little bit, decompress, and then get back to your work, you know, beam back to your virtual office and do whatever. Or um, maybe, you know, Justin Bieber's concert is 30 minutes during lunch. And like, you're just like, I'm just going to go pop in real quick, enjoy the concert, and then I'm going to go back to work. So it's just like a very convenient way of being able to experience certain type of types of experiences. Um, yeah, when it comes to even just even the virtual office side of things, um, you're going to want to be located in a virtual city. Like we're, we're actually next week um, going to be releasing virtual Manhattan and like the first 360 plots of the 10,000 total plots that will ever exist in virtual Manhattan. And it'll be programmatically limited because it's built on the blockchain. So uh, you cannot create additional clones of it. Like it's going to be um, ser uh, served to people in the form of an NFT so that people uh, cannot clone it and they have the authentic ownership to each individual plot. And at the end of the day, if say, for example, they build a co-working space business, right? Where they own three plots of land um, and they are able to create really cool, chill co-working spaces. Because again, people are working in immersed 40, 50 hours a week, and they want to change the scenery. Immersed is only able to push out one environment every two months, if that, because it just takes forever to build it. But if we allow users to work with their own contractors at scale, and there's a bunch of different types of environments, well, if I own three co-working spaces and each one's an awesome um, experience and only a hundred users visit it per day, we'll say I charge each user only three bucks at the door, right? For virtual coffee or whatever. Um, well, I just made 300 bucks per co-working space and say I have three of them. I just made 900 bucks that day times 30 days a, a month. That's $27,000 a month that I just made by creating a virtual business. So that's one of many, at this point, I think it's just like, it's very obvious that uh, virtualizing businesses, it's, it's, it's very similar to the parallel of back in the early days of Facebook, right? They had to like, uh, they had to, to stand up their own servers. They had to have their own server racks and all of that. But then eventually Amazon Web Services came up with this thing called EC2, where you could just spin up a server instance real quick. And so now when you want to create an app, you don't have to worry about the servers that are supporting the app. You just upload an app to the internet and you have servers that are running on its own because it's powered by Amazon. Um, and so likewise, Immerse is going to be kind of a way to very quickly spin up a business. If it works, great. And maybe you could sell it or you could just hold on to it if it's making awesome passive revenue. Um, but at the end of the day, you have the choice to be able to spin up a quick business without having all of the risk and overhead that I had to have when I started my business, right? So, right. Um, well, I think what you're proving first is that, and that's why I think it was good for you to tell us kind of about the office thing, because one, there's no good business without demand, right? So it's like, oh, you know, there's this idea of the metaverse. And it's like, well, who's going to go live in that or whatever? You're saying, no, people are literally working there every day. They're spending 40 hours a week yeah. in the metaverse. It's like, it's not it's this is not future anymore right and i think that's probably hard to understand for a lot of folks who maybe don't put on a headset every day is like yeah. 
Yeah. Metaverse is not the future. The metaverse is very applicable to a lot of people. Like how many, like how, how big is this, would you say right yeah. now? So, so we've onboarded, we're approaching uh, half a million users that have been onboarded today. So it's starting to really grow. And Oculus has something like uh, 10 to 15 million daily active users. So we barely scraped the surface. Like we're still working on acquiring more Oculus users. Um, and on top of that, Apple is announcing their headset later this year. So as soon as Apple enters uh, sort of the VR, AR space, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's going to become ubiquitous because even think about the AirPods, for example, right? Like back in 2017, when they released the AirPods, in-ear Bluetooth earphones were not a new thing. Bose had them, Samsung had them, um, and Apple back then was only an $800 billion company. But as soon as they came out with these AirPods, uh, they were able to make more revenue than like Netflix, Shopify, Spotify, all these companies combined just from the one revenue stream of AirPods. So fast forward to today, now Apple's a $3 trillion company with way more reach. If they come out with these super sleek, thin uh, VR headsets, which uh, has the, the new MacBook M1 chip in it, it's going to be 20 times as powerful as the Oculus Quest headset. And it's going to be much higher quality and it looks a lot nicer and it's Apple, right? Like they're yeah. going to have crazy adoption. So yeah, that's, that's going to be dope. When's that happening? Yeah, you got uh, the inside scoop, man. When's that coming? Yeah. Well, they're, they're announcing later this year. So that's already public information that they're announcing it later this year. Uh, my guess is they're going to release it probably beginning of next year. <laughs> people don't realize this is happening like now it's crazy yeah all right so we're real estate investors on this show okay so guide us like be our guide to you know let's you're on i love like go down that route with me a little bit more so t talk talk to us break down the process about investing you know in your company or kind of hmm. leveraging what you're building to be an investor in the metaverse let's talk about that yeah. so uh there's two pieces to that so Immerse has historically taken a lot of venture capital money. We actually opened up a, a couple of crowdfunding campaigns back in the day. We've raised $12 million to date. We were actually in the process of closing on like a 50 to $70 million round that ended up becoming oversubscribed for $270 million. Wow. I ended up like just pausing on that because I realized the vast majority of the venture capital firms in the, that round were also wanting to put money into Immerse's virtual land. So I realized, well, why don't you just only invest in that? We don't get diluted. We don't have to put an unnecessary board in place at the time just because we have we're still focusing on product iteration um, we're not in a perfect growth stage yet where we have the exact guardrails we're still building those guardrails um, so we just don't want to have a board to distract us um, but at the end of the day like if you're wanting to invest in this metaverse you could always just own the virtual land and then if you don't want it anymore obviously sell it on OpenSea. um so so all that to say um we've decided to actually pause on the like equity investing side of things but now there are people who are actually wanting to invest in the virtual land side of things because uh they're it's completely liquid right you don't have to wait till i exit um and also at the end of the day you get to do whatever you want with it right so you could you could build on that plot of land you could lease it out you could uh, fractionalize and have multiple owners to it there's really a lot of really cool things uh, you could do with it so there are a lot of different virtual land games out there um but the 270 million dollars worth of vc vc money that wants to invest in immerse that actually came from a lot of these other vcs who had invested in these gaming metaverses that have virtual land and they realized yo if immerse comes out with virtual land and that's a practical metaverse for what reason will our users in these other game metaverses want to keep their money in there? It, that seems inherently way more risky than if they were to put it into a professional business type practical metaverse uh, virtual land investment. So uh, that being said, that's when they then came to us and said, hey, can we get some money into your uh, company as well? And then I realized, okay, maybe we will just eat you guys lunch. <laughs> maybe we will, we will just leave virtual land. So what we're doing is um, next Monday, uh, I'll send you the link as well uh next monday we're doing kind of a private uh virtual land sale that we haven't posted online publicly anywhere it's actually i sent the link to the 3500 people who had invested in immersed crowdfunding campaigns 
Um, we so at this point we have about two to two and a half million ish uh, dollars worth of people who are trying to invest um, in the first land drop because it's only 360 plots. So it's really kind of a kind of bum rush, gold rush sort of thing where people are just like they'll just take whatever they can get. Um, the plots are going to be between 5k to 15k each. Um, depending on what's on that land. So the skyscrapers, for example, um, someday those can be worth millions of dollars. Say, for example, um, you know, Salesforce wants all their employees using Immerse in order to work in VR. Well, we're going to enforce that they actually um, can collaborate, but they have to collaborate in skyscrapers or whatever sort of land that's available. And so if you're the owner of that skyscraper, you can charge whatever rent you want, um, or they can just buy the skyscraper from you. But by the time that happens, say two, three years from now, that skyscraper is not, not going to be worth 15K it'll likely be worth millions of dollars because that can have 500 units in that skyscraper. So, uh, but then we have kind of smaller, you know, we have mid rises, we have uh, standard offices or standard, build, standard buildings. Then we have custom land where you can kind of build things like concert venues, et cetera. And uh, you know, those kind of smaller ones are like 5k, the larger ones are 10 and 15k and that actually becomes uh, an auction. And so we're releasing the first 360 plots of the 10,000 of virtual Manhattan next Monday. That'll be a pretty exciting day. But what I'll do is take a lot of the traction we get just from the PR around that first land drop and then funnel it into the second land drop. And that'll be public. The second one, we're going to be releasing some plots around virtual Hawaii, uh, some more, uh, uh, some more plots from virtual Manhattan. Um, and then a third virtual land drop, we're actually going to release some virtual LA as well. So New York is going to be focused on business, um, like a, a very, very clear kind of financial type transaction type businesses. Um, or, or rather what I mean is like kind of very, um, uh, things that are a lot more practical than Hawaii, where Hawaii might be more calm experiences. Maybe someone wants to build a Jurassic Park in VR sort of experience on their land and build a charge for it, things like that. Then you'll have virtual LA where people are going to want to focus on entertainment, right? So virtual movie production, virtual music production, concerts, things like that. Um, so each city will have a different connotation, but at the end of the day, like it's up to the users on what they want to end up uh, using that land for because they own it. So they can kind of do whatever they want with it. Um, we are going to be pre-building two thirds of virtual Manhattan to keep some of the integrity of what uh, Manhattan is supposed to feel like. We don't want it to be this kind of ugly, like kind of mix of people's random custom crap. We want it to be, uh, to ha still have a, a New York feel, but uh, we do want there to be collaborative minds. Like essentially people who are associated with New York, we want them to be very kind of business minded and then have a lot of kind of knowledge share amongst the business minded people there. Then in LA, we want a lot of entertainment focused people to be able to knowledge share there. So there's a lot of really kind of cool similarities. The, the reason why we decided to go with um, somewhat of a mirror of the real world, it's not going to be identical. Like Manhattan's going to look a little bit different. Like the roads are a little bit mixed up intentionally so that real world people cannot sue our users for owning their virtual version of their plot. Because as this metaverse becomes more one-to-one -one with real life, obviously there's going to be some kind of um, conflict of interest there. But at the end of the day, like each city is going to be um, what people make it. And so as we open this up to uh, users, it'll be interesting to see kind of what they end up making. So Yeah, and I'm so glad you're on this show, dude. Like you, you just make all this <laughs> sound really exciting and really fun. So I have so many entrepreneurial ideas right now. So let me ask you a kind of a pushback question, but then I want to get really creative and kind of go down the rabbit hole a little bit with you. So you talk about, let's call it three years, I buy a virtual Manhattan plot and I, I get a good, you're going to drop me a good, good plot. And you talk about the Salesforce thing. But my question is like, what, what's your barrier of entry? Like Salesforce has enough resources to go build their own virtual Manhattan, right? Why would they come to immerse? Is it just because number of users and, you know, you're not going to go build another Facebook because you already have these many people on Facebook. I mean, what's your, what's your, what's the conversation there? A couple of things. So um, Salesforce, they could try to create just their own collaboration platform if they want. 
But at the end of the day, when it comes to them interacting with customers, interacting with the rest of the world, I mean, are you really going to create just kind of your own version of it and try to get your customers in there? It's just not something that's their core competency. So it's and adoption day, that you're like, really banking on. Like you got to build the adoption factor yeah. so that companies right, are yeah, really yeah. drawn there. And, and because there isn't a single other application, a VR application in the world that has 40 plus hours of, a week being used per user. Like, uh, and again, that's, that's Facebook has identified that for us. Like, because we, I meet with them frequently, they're like, there's just not a, a close second place that even comes close to that amount of time spent in VR. Um, cause people haven't cracked that code. People haven't figured out how the heck do I get people to spend that much time in my app? Um, but Immerse has figured it out by God's grace. So all I have to say, like, obviously we're going to be seven steps ahead and really start laying this infrastructure in place in, 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 um, in anticipation for Apple's, uh, headset release. And so at the end of the day, like, yeah, we don't want to sit back and just continue doing our, continue doing our VR office thing and just pretend like that's not going to become commoditized for sure. Apple's going to try to create their own version of multiple displays and Facebook's going to try their own version, but like we need to create more than just the, the core utility, what immersed is we want the utility to continue to get better and better and better, but no matter what, like that in and of itself may become commoditized, right? If Apple has native virtual displays on their headset that pairs with their MacBook. Well, okay, well then that problem is solved. So what what value does Immersed have other than, okay, well Immersed can do that on multiple different devices. Um, more than that, we want to start kind of giving users the tools to start building their businesses in the metaverse because think about, again, the, the sort of the parallel between the metaverse versus the real world. The way that cities work in the real world today is people move to a city because usually that's where these large businesses are planted or are localized. And people will commute to a downtown city center. They'll go into some sort of skyscraper where their company is headquartered. They will pull out their laptop and they will get to work. So the core staples there are they have a laptop. Uh, so something that they're productive on. They have a facility that they're productive in with people around them. And they reside in some sort of proximity from that. And so we're kind of just creating the mirror of that because we've created the laptop in VR. Well, now people are able to be productive in VR. The next thing we need to do is now give them the ability to own property or own the ability to have a headquarters in that metaverse. And then from there, people can own custom plots and like reside, quote unquote, in certain areas and just give them the ability to take ownership of these different plots and do what they want with it. But on top of that, like these businesses in the real world, they exchange goods and services with other businesses or they exchange goods and services with customers. And then they have multiple cities that they're located in. And then they start taking over the world, quote unquote, or at least that's what companies are trying to do. Um, likewise, in the metaverse, they can own multiple plots. They can exchange goods and services with either users or just other businesses in there. They can be in multiple virtual cities, likewise. So because we've created sort of the groundwork for um, getting people to exist and dwell and uh, benefit from that metaverse, <clears throat> just like the real world, so far, no one's even close to that. And that's why I'm excited to be the first to do it. So. so real quick, paint again, paint the goods and services picture. You keep saying that. Give me some more examples of what some people yeah. think. Okay, yeah, cool. I'm doing office work. But when they yeah, say yeah. you say business exchange, goods and services, what do you mean? Yeah, yeah. So, so an example would be yeah, like the concert venue example I gave, the co-working example I gave. Um, there are people, for example, another person told me two weeks ago, they texted me saying, hey, I'm actually going to quit my real life property management job because I want to be a property manager in the metaverse. They want to educate people on how, how do they essentially rent out office spaces in the metaverse. There's another person who um, uh, told me how in the real world, like obviously mortgages exist because uh, people can't afford to just buy property, right? You know, flat out cash. And so what he's going to be doing is creating virtual mortgages, right? Like being able to lend people money to be able to afford virtual land as it, as it becomes too expensive. And obviously there's a business there. There's a million ideas. Yeah. yeah so that's exactly what I was thinking. So like, are there, so when you're saying, you know, I go, I get this piece of land. Well, I don't know what to do or even who to call. So I'm imagining like 
a good business idea is like you're going to need virtual reality general contractors. Yeah, there's gonna be a lot. So, so an example would be hooking people up with 3D artists or 3D environment artists who know how to create these virtual worlds. So likewise, in the real world, when I buy a plot of land, I'm not going to Home Depot and grabbing a two by four and starting hammering on it like, right. to build my land. I'm working with contractors. I'm working with architects. Likewise, you need to work with virtual architects, virtual environment artists. And I, though I'm the person who owns the land, I am paying them to help develop my land so that I can then do some right. sort of business on it. One thing that's really cool is uh, Immerse will be uh, holding a conference here in uh, Austin called ImmerseCon, about a 4,000 uh, 4, person conference where we'll be equipping people and teaching them how to build uh, virtual businesses. And this is going to be a crazy iconic moment in history. Uh, and so just a lot of people who are going to be owning uh, the first instances of virtual land in Immerse, uh, everyone has a free ticket to ImmerseCon in 2023, February 2023, uh, which I'm really excited for. So we'll be doing a lot of educating. We have a lot of subject matter experts who will be speaking on specific industry verticals that will be existing. So for example, um, Tadashi will be speaking on uh, communications type businesses like podcasts, blogs, things, different things like that. Andy Minio will be speaking on um, how do you like virtual movie production Lecrae, because he loves movies Lecrae will be talking about virtual concert menu uh, venues and uh, virtual music production uh, so we'll have different kind of speakers focus on uh, different aspects like either social media influencers for example who want to be able to create a space for them to have more personable experiences with their followers as opposed to just doing a TikTok live stream or an Instagram live stream right they want to do more than just like respond to a comment that's floating up on the screen they want yeah. to be able to sit side by side with their followers in a safe environment yeah uh, yeah it's, it's, yeah. it's pretty mind-blowing type experiences so yeah how often do you put on a headset a day like how much are you like what do you how do you use it yeah well when i'm not in fundraising season uh usually about 25 to 40 hours a week and my team does the same so that's another thing like we realize is we can't expect people to use an application that we ourselves don't use so uh and what's funny is even the non-coders on our team uh literally sitting right out here um if i walk out there they're probably wearing headsets uh they literally feel like if they don't have a headset on they just feel less productive like once you start using the app and you learn how to use it you start realizing that you're just less productive when you don't have your headset on because you have your coworkers around you who are kind of distracting. Um, you have multiple screens uh, in the real world that you cannot physically move or make as nearly er ergonomic as you can in the virtual world. In the virtual world, you can stretch it out to be a 50 foot screen. You could have five, you know, 30 foot screens. You can so like all my underwriting team, like you're saying, so this is really cool, man. So like my, I need to get my underwriting team because instead of having, you know, three and, and like, that's why we need office space. Cause like, it's hard to underwrite on one monitor. So you definitely need three monitors. So instead of, you know, having about three monitors, need the space for three monitors, you just click on this headset and now you've got as many monitors you need and you can underwrite that way. Yep. And also like, for example, coder, exactly. And also coders, for example, we love using vertical monitors because uh, there's just more lines of code that you can read. And so for me, usually whenever I'm coding in VR, I'll have a vertical monitor here that has a code running here. Um, I have the app running here on my horizontal screen and then have the console running here as well. So I have multiple screens where I can actually get my work done. And then as soon as I need to pull someone in, they could beam into my space, they can double check my work and then we're good to go. So uh, there's a lot of cool things you can do in VR because it's all virtual, it's not real. And you don't have to worry about extra equipment costs because again, it's all virtual. Um, we, we are having conversations with Amazon around what does it look like to even just virtualize laptops, right? Imagine them streaming 5G LTE from your headset to um, their virtual machines in the cloud and then having a virtual laptop. But that's, that's pretty mind-blowing. You start leap-stepping companies like Apple who have to worry about things like prototyping, manufacturing, supply chain, distribution, all those things that they actually have to do for their physical laptop. But instead, what if you had a virtual iPad? or a virtual laptop, something that is actually streaming from the cloud as opposed to actually having physical ones. So yeah, because I mean, right now the, the, the headset really is just more of like a monitor, really. Exactly. It's kind of how it's serving. Yep, exactly. But you're, you're still having to use physical 
product, like a computer to actually kind of move or do anything in, in the today's world. Yep. Yep. And that's it. But two years from now, that could be all completely virtual where you only have the heads, like you only have a pair of glasses, your Apple glasses in your pocket, you pull it out and now you have all your devices around you, right? Yeah. It could all be virtual. That's cool. So if people want to get into Immerse, they got to go get a headset, Oculus headset. Yep. And then they need to go to your website. Immerse.com. Yep. Immerse.com. And then where do, where do they, how do they get access to, you know, the, the, the real estate sales? Yeah. So, uh, you will get access to the first private. Yeah, I'm, oh, don't worry, bro. We got to <laughs> I'm like, give me all of this. Man. I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so the first one is private. So it's mainly just people who know me. And yeah. so since you reached out, I'll just send you the link, but for the second one onwards, that'll be public. So that'll be on our website. You'll be able to see that where we'll announce it about a month from this upcoming Monday. So, so the first week of June, 2022, um, we'll announce kind of the public, uh, second virtual land sale onwards. Um, but yeah, the first, uh, private one is just you, me, friends, family, and, and all of us who want in first. So, so like, <laughs> I mean, I, I know what you have to answer here, but I'm going to ask anyways. And like, I know you'll, I know you'll give me kind of a straight, straightforward. Yeah. So I've asked this question a lot. We've talked to a lot of people in the metaverse. Yeah. Are we too early to really invest in, in the metaverse? Or do you think now's a real time to start buying land or owning yeah real estate in the metaverse. I think a good signal I would say is Apple. Like they've, they've gotten timing really, like they're known for being late to the game and they have figured out timing. So because Apple is announcing their headset later this fall, I mean, they're already quote unquote late to the game, but if anything, I think they're, they're right on time um, because they are able to get a form factor that is user-friendly, a form factor. And, and that's another thing about Apple. They will not release a product unless they feel like people will adopt it because of how user-friendly it is. Right. If it's a bulky block on my head, even like the Oculus headset, it's still kind of like a block on the head. The new headset, it's. Did you have one? Like, do you have it behind you somewhere? Uh, I have. So I have, yeah, the Oculus Quest 2 is here. Yeah. Put, I need to see it. Like, yeah, show yeah, so, folks what this looks like. Okay. Yeah. It's really thick. The, the new Facebook headset, I cannot show you. It's literally sitting right here. I'll show you this. Uh, this is the back end of it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I can't show that. I mean, there are, there, if you Google it, you'll see silhouettes online. It's about a third of this thickness. That's so the Facebook, Facebook one. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, the, the Oculus, yeah, Oculus is owned by Facebook. Yeah. Um, so the new, the one that comes after this, it's about a third of the thickness. So, oh, so they much, haven't released it yet is what you're saying. No, that's coming out later um, in, in, in the next year. Um, I can't give actual release dates. Release dates <laughs> but um, what I will say is Apple, I mean, I, I talked to Facebook about this. Apple is about to release something massive and Facebook to be real, like, Facebook's like, yeah, we're going to try our best. <laughs> and like, cause it's Apple, right? Like yeah. how do you beat Apple? And so Facebook, I think longer term does have a, a dog in the fight. I think this year Apple's going to win it and, and next year Apple's going to win it. But yeah, if Apple is in it, that's how you know that now's the time to, to take this stuff seriously. And, it, and not even just like right after you probably want to do it right before. Cause yeah, four or five years ago, there was no, there was no Apple product in sight in the VR AR space. Um, but the fact that they're announcing theirs later this year, now's the time to get in uh, right before. If you do it right after, then you're just in the hype like everyone else. So you won't be able to profit off of it as much as as much as you could have. So. That's cool. Guys, if you're not following Renji, make sure you do so. He's on Instagram. Are you on YouTube? Are you on YouTube? Uh, I don't do it. I mean, Immerse, does have, Immerse has a YouTube uh, channel. Yeah. I, I do more Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and TikTok. Yeah. Okay. Uh, such an enjoyable conversation. Seriously, I've really appreciated your time. We're going to have to find some more ways to collaborate. So thanks for being a leader in this space, being yeah. open about your faith. I respect that a ton and excited to see what you you and your company create uh, and, and real leaders in this space, man. I appreciate you. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. All right.